It's like a it's like a beer bottle opener. <laughs> Whoever wields the dark saber, just full good vibes. Yeah. Hi, welcome to our fourth episode of Bantha Potter. Uh, this is a follow up episode to our last one where we were talking about the first season of Mandalorian, um, and we just got our trailer drop for season two so we're excited to talk about it today uh my name is mitch and i'm dave yeah so there's no andrew tonight uh which is fine actually we got rid of him uh yeah he got married oh i was gonna say we we found out that he truly is a last jedi fan uh and uh we just can't handle that just kidding uh this is a star positive star wars podcast (laughs) and we appreciate all views uh, except ones that just hate people suck. Yeah, yeah. So Dave, uh, what are we what are we talking what are we about talking today? About? Yeah. So uh, following up on last week, where we talked about Mando, uh, Din Djarin, and the child, and kind of did a bit of a character analysis, backstory, just discussion around some themes around characters, those two characters specifically. We thought we'd follow that up a bit this week and cover a bit of Mandalore and Mandalorian culture and a bit of Mm. an analysis about that and how that ties into uh, Mando's or Din's uh, history and backstory and kind of context as a character. And then we're also going to talk a bit about the Darksaber. Yeah. Which pops up right at the end of season one. One of the very last uh, clips, if not the final clip. Um, is of Moff Gideon slicing his way out of his destroyed TIE fighter um, using a black with white outline lightsaber looking implementation. And not a lot of people know how important that is or kind of like the background connotations with that artifact. Yeah, but it does pop up in a few other... It pops up in Rebels as well as Clone Wars. Yeah. So we're going to talk a bit about that. Yeah, so if you don't want to watch Clone Wars or Rebels, you don't have to, because yeah. we're going to bring you up to speed, yeah. sort of. Yeah, major spoilers, but that yes. always applies. So, should we start with Let's uh, start. Mandalore? Yeah, the Mandalore. Oh, that's say. like the third time that joke's been made. First time on recording, First though. time on recording, so that's when it counts. So, Mandalore. Uh, so, we... Did a bit of a, a dive into Mandalore based on what's available out on the internet as well as our own viewings of Star Wars TV shows. And so we're kind of starting Clone Wars, period. Yeah. Um, and because that's kind of the most relevant backstory information right. that you need for Mando and probably for Mandalorian Season 2. We'll see. So during the Clone Wars, uh, Mandalore was um, a planet, obviously, a culture. Yes. And it was, I have super fighty battle people. Yeah. Which, so that's my fancy way of of just writing that. It was a culture of warriors. Right, yeah. There was a lot of fighting. There was, there's certain codes and... There were certain clans and houses that kind of were above the clan, so clans fit into the houses, mm-hmm. if I'm understanding that correctly. But within that culture, it was very much a culture of warriors, very yeah. much a culture of certain codes and honor. 
and the entire universe universe knew that that Mandalorians were this this warrior culture and these these people who you would not want to be at war with. Yeah, and so it had been like that, I assume, for centuries mm-hmm. until Satine cries. Yeah, started a group, I guess, called the New Mandalorians, mm-hmm. and they were more pacifist, very diplomatic. I actually missed that kind of section of Clone Wars. Yeah. So I don't have all that context. She was also possibly a lover of Obi-Wan. So I did know that. To, might have to go back. Yeah. Important details about Obi-Wan. Yeah. So she was the Duchess. So not only did she start kind of like this idea of um, a pacifist style of, of Mandalore, um, but she was she was like the Grand Duchess. Like she was what we would classify as like the president or the or the prime minister um, the leader of of the entire, I guess, official Mandalorian people. Yeah. And alongside that, around the same time, there was or- an organization called Death Watch. Yeah. Which was led by Prey Vizsla, who believed in the old way or the ancient way of Mandalorian culture. The the super fighty battle people. Yes. Yes, the super fighty battle people. And so. Satine's sister was Bo-Katan, who was also a part of Death Watch. Yeah. Okay. We're three. We're three names in. Three uh, names. I apologize, in. but uh, we won't go much further. There's a lot of names, but yeah, we've tried to keep it pretty simple. And in Rebels, season three, I believe. Yeah. Maybe season four. Sabine gives the dark saber to Satine. Hmm. So that will be important later when we talk about the dark saber. But yeah, so you kind of get an idea of the different. You start to see that Sorry, Mandalore's you uh, Sabine gives it to Bo Katan. Yeah, Sabine Satine. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Sabine Satine. Yeah, it it's confusing. I find it confusing. The other piece of context that is important from that time period is that Death Watch are the group that saves Din Djarin. Yeah. So there's so basic recap. Mandalorian, huge warriors. Sabi- uh, Satine cries, comes along, and changes that perspective Pacifist. to pacifism. But yet, there's still this second group that that holds true to that that warrior stand called the Death Watch. Mm. Long story short, Death Watch pretty much is the one that prevails, um, and kind of like that old style the of ancient way of Mandalore. Yeah prevails yes through some help from other individuals that you can go watch clone wars and rebels to kind of find out yeah and so then we kind of go into empire era and at that time bo katan so satine's sister yeah who sabine later gives the dark saber to yeah is the regent of mandalore mandalore post clone wars and but she is later then forced out of power by Clan Saxon, another clan, yep. uh, who sided with the Empire. And so you have the Empire kind of like weaseling its way into... Weaseling its way into Mandalore and Mandalorian, Mandalorian culture. Poli- culture, politics, leadership. They, they even set up an Imperial Academy. Right. And that's where uh, Sabine, who's a part of the Wren family, mm-hmm. ends up going. She creates the Duchess, yep. which is this crazy weapon that essentially 
I don't even know what it does to Mandalorian armor. Yeah. But it it only applies to Mandalorian armor and it essentially just like zaps them yeah. gone. And, and and sorry, uh, Sabine. If you if you're unsure of who this character is, uh, Sabine is one of the main characters in the Rebels TV show. Um, she has crazy hair, uh, changes every season. She's pretty well known. If you if you've ever kind of like gone a Very little artistic. bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit deeper on the outside of just the main nine movies. Um, yeah, a few of us were hoping that she'd be in Mandalorian season two. Yeah, and she still might be. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of rumors. I'm not a big fan of jumping onto rumors too hard. So. No. Yeah. So then during the Empire time, kind of coming into the Clone Wars, we have a civil war on Mandalore. And then the Empire comes in and purges Mandalore. Yeah. And so that takes us into the Great Purge, mm-hmm. which is pretty important to know about, to know Mando's history. Yeah. Because it kind of sets the stage for the tribe. Right. And so we don't know a lot about the Great Purge. It was during the Imperial Era. We know that the Empire killed almost all Mandalorians and that they rounded up Beskar armor, Mm -hmm. which is the Beskar steel that Mando gets paid for, for the child, and then he turns into his new armor. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because this whole Great Purge, the only information that we really have is from the first season of Mandalorian. So there's not like a... There's no books that are set in that time. There's or, no or TV, shows. TV shows. It doesn't. Yeah, we just know about the Great Purge, really, from the Mandalorian. Yeah, and we know that Gideon, guy that pops up at the end of Mandalorian with the black saber or the dark saber, sorry. So he was a part of it. He was an ISB agent, so yeah. an Imperial Security Bureau. I believe yeah, that's, that's what it stands for. Absolutely. He got the dark saber during the purge. Somehow. Somehow. Don't know how. Yes. But because he has it, and because we know he was on Mandalore during the Purge, we're assuming that that's how he got the Darksaber. Yeah. And sometime after that, he rose to the rank of Moff. So he's Moff Gideon. He faked his execution for war crimes, and now he kind of leads this remnant of the Empire. We're not really sure what it is. There's, again, more rumors with the most recent trailer. Um, that he has a lot more power than we've seen. Um, but yeah, time will tell. So that kind of brings us right up to now, episode one, season one of The Mandalorian. So if you've if you've seen the first season, which I assume you have, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, kind of recapping the first season. Anyways, uh, they talk a lot about foundlings. Um and that Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, was a foundling. So we know that he wasn't born on Mandalore. We know that he wasn't, um, that that he was saved by. He was found. He he was found. He was a foundling. He his his family was killed during the Clone Wars, and he is saved by a group of Mandalorians that is Death Watch. Back to the beginning of the episode, Death Watch. Yeah. So Death Watch saves him. And he becomes a foundling. And then we know that throughout some of the episodes in season one, at one point, so for example, when he gets his Beskar steel, he donates it to take care of some of the foundlings. Mm -hmm. We know that baby Yoda, the child, is is identified as a foundling. And so 
digging into this term and and where it sits within Mandalorian culture, even before the purge, abandoned children were adopted in Mandalorian culture. So if you found an abandoned child on the battlefield or during another mission, by creed, by your code, you were duty-bound to reunite them or raise them to age. Mm -hmm. And at that point, they could join the Mandalorians or they could leave. And this isn't a new creed. That like this stems all the way back from the ancient Mandalorian culture. Yeah, that, that Death Watch kind of it's part of that ancient Mandalor- Mandalorian way. That, yeah, yes, that's a part of kind of Death Watch's identity. And so, following the purge, a band of warriors, presumably Death Watch, had to go into hiding, and becomes the tribe. We're not sure if Death Watch is the tribe exactly. Yeah, but but we know that the majority of the of the Mandalorians were killed during the purge. And any remaining Mandalorians, like Dave said, had to go into hiding. And that's where we get this tribe of Mandalorians called the Tribe. Yeah. And they're following the ancient way. Yep. And they see foundlings as critical to the survival of their creed. Yeah, because it's no longer about clans. It's no longer about family. It's about making sure, like, the culture of Mandalore survives. And if you have to do that through Baby Yoda's... That's what they're going to do, right? Baby Yoda's on Navarro. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, uh, the tribe is on Navarro. They're literally hiding in the sewers, um, and that's all because of this great purge. Yeah. Even after the Empire has disappeared, there's still yeah. kind of this secrecy and covertness about it. And so that kind of gives us a bit of context, I guess, about yeah. Mando. Dinjarin, where he came from, why he's so connected to this creed. I mean, mm-hmm. last episode, we talked a lot about different codes that he was kind of, he was living in this tension mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. different codes. And that gives us a bit of a backstory about where those codes come from, or at least some of them, right? And even his connection to Baby Yoda or the yeah. child as a foundling, because he was a foundling. Yeah. And under Mandalorian code, like, it saved him. And so now he's, I don't know if paying it forward is the right term. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, that's kind of like the same concept of of what's going on, though. So it's just kind of interesting to me that he was not born Mandalorian and he was found and raised in this culture. And he is so diehard. Like, this creed is so intense and it's so, like, yeah. Like, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's almost impressive. It's very much about honor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It makes me wonder how many of the other Mandalorians in this tribe were foundlings, right? Like, how many in this time when season two is coming out in this era, how many of these Mandalorians that are left are actually, like, born blood Mandalorians? Or if most of them are just foundlings at this point. Yeah. Who then become Mandalorians. Yeah. We yeah. do know that the um, armorer is born blood Mandalorian. Um, as she, her name is, is she a, a Vizsla? No, no, no. That no. was, that was, I thought that at first. And that kind of blew my mind when I was doing research. But then Andrew and I actually talked about it after. Oh, okay. And it is, so in season one, when he gets all the Beskar steel, he gets challenged Okay. And that is, I believe that's Prey Vizsla. If I have that right. Hmm. Yeah. 
So that is... Is that Prey Vizsla? I know they're a Vizsla. I'm not sure what their first name was. Paz. Paz, Paz Vizsla. Vizsla. I knew it was a uh, P. So that guy... So that. Yeah. So the armor isn't Paz Vizsla. No. The armorer... There was another... The armorer is the armorer. Okay. But the... The Mandalorian that challenges right. Din. His name Paz Vizsla. His name's Paz Vizsla. So he is a, a descendant dis- yep. of House Vizsla. Yep. Who we know that that's where the, the Darksaber comes from, right? Yeah. That's where it gets passed down. And the Vizslas are connected to Death Watch. Yeah. So you start to see some pieces. It's all kind of coming together. Floating together. So we're going to switch over to the Darksaber a little bit because, I mean, it's a cool item. It's a cool weapon. Uh, It looks cool. But yeah, there's a lot. I think think what like really blew my mind is I actually watched Mandalorian season one before I saw Clone Wars or Rebels. Um, I did too. And like, I was like, oh, that's a cool thing. And I had no idea like what it was, where it came from. And I had... I had no idea that it was the one of a kind. Yeah. And that kind of like blew my mind, uh, right? It's like, you know, there's there's lightsabers everywhere. There's Jedi, whatever. Um, and every Jedi has a lightsaber. And, and I mean, they're rare, but you can find them. Yeah. But it's like, oh, this is like a crazy black lightsaber that's... That looks like an actual sword. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, like laser sword. Yeah. One of a kind. Yeah. And it's got this aura of the like it's, mm. it's dark mm-hmm. right it's not a lightsaber it's yeah. a dark saber <laughs> wow wow yeah so legend has it uh it's very ancient um yeah. one of a kind like we said lightsaber and it was created by tar vizsla boom there it is the vizslas all the way back and he was the first mandalorian in the jedi order yeah 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 approximately like Oh, to be a thousand years? Yeah. Plus roughly. before BBY, before Battle of Yavin. Before Battle of Yavin. So just a few generations so before, just, yeah. you know, the Great Purge and Mando and yeah. all this stuff. So imagine like Boba Fett, but with a lightsaber. I mean, that's what he was. Like Boba Fett in the Jedi Order. Wild. Probably would have helped. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> He's coming back. He's coming back. There's more rumors. Somebody's pulling apart images from the new trailer and it's like, oh, I've, I've you, seen that. Yeah. 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 I saw a speeder image, right? Yeah. 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 If you take this color and you match it with uh, his helmet, his helmet from yeah. 1977, you can it's definitely Boba Fett. I mean, yeah. If Boba Fett comes, shows up in even his armor, that's Dope. cool. But also, like, yeah. I'm just going to wait until the end of October. Um, before I get too excited before about Boba, too, Boba Fett popping up. Yeah, before I get too excited about this like blurry image. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyways, uh, Tar Vizsla, first Jedi, Mandalorian, approximately a thousand years. Um, and his Darksaber, he created himself. Yeah. Um, and it was kept in the temple after his passing. Yeah, so he passes away. It's kept in the Jedi Temple. At some point, House Vizsla... During the fall of the Old Republic, I don't know that timeline exactly, yeah. but during the fall of the Old Republic, they managed to break in, take it back, and so now it gets passed down from generation to generation by House mm-hmm. Vizsla back on Mandalore, 
all the way down to Previsla, so not Paz Vizla. Yeah. Previsla. Lots of names. Who had it at the time of Satine leading the new Mandalorians. So Previsla right. was leading Death Watch. Yes. Perfect. Yep. Um, and then it is taken and placed elsewhere. Yes. Uh, you know more about this history than I do. Oh, do I, though? Uh, this is Rebels, right? Is it Rebels? Sort of. It happens in between. But yeah. long story short, Darth Maul's not dead. Sorry. Spoilers. Um, I mean, he doesn't have his legs. Yeah. But, yeah, he didn't die. Um, so wrecked. pretty much the Darksaber ends up in a Sith temple of some sort. Um no, I'm crazy. No, I'm blacking no, out. No, he. So I don't know how he got it because I missed that part of Clone right. Wars. Yeah, no, it is at the end of Clone Wars. It's all. It is at the end of Clone Wars. Me. I believe he even battles Sidious with it. Yep. And somehow it makes its way onto his planet. I yes. believe. I forget what his planet. Yeah, I mean is. he. So Dathomir. So, yeah. So Darth Maul takes it from Mandalore. He kind of leads Mandalore for a little while. We kind of left yeah, that out because like it's he a leads whole, the Death Watch, it's right? It's a whole different thing. During um, the whole like Death Watch, Pacifist, New Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah, so you can go watch the last like 3 seasons of Clone Wars if you want. Yeah. information on that. Um but and yeah, Darth Maul has it in his possession. Um he uses it for his super spooky dark arts in Rebels. Um right up into the point where Sabine, who we talked about um, kind of near the beginning, uh, Sabine Wren from the Rebels TV series. Uh, Part of Clan Wren. Yeah, takes it. Um, steals it from him. With the in, help of Ezra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not talking about Ezra. Yeah, no, we're uh, not. He's not a Mandalorian. <laughs> no. Um, so Sabine took it, mostly because, she, I mean, she would have recognized it. All Mandalorians know what the Darksaber is, where it came from. And how important it is to the entire culture, which is really interesting to me because it's like, oh, man, if if Din sees this in season two, is he going to freak out like this? This artifact, it's like finding the Holy Grail that's connected to the Ark of the Covenant, the people that saved him, like the house that saved him that I mean, it's taking a bit of a leap of, I guess, like inference. But yeah. Probably the house that the tribe or Paz Vizla Paz yeah. Vizla has come from, so he would feel probably a pretty strong connection to this item, right? And know about its history. Yeah, yeah. So the dark saber um, went from Maul to Sabine. Uh, Sabine had it and and wielded it, wielded it for a while, um, kind of during the Civil War. Yeah. Pre-purge area era. Yeah. She'd already created the Duchess. Mm-hmm. She'd already worked in the Imperial Academy. So Empire's already on Mandalore. Yeah. There's kind of civil war. There's a lot of infighting between the families. Yeah. So during the civil war uh, is when Sabine has it, um, unbeknownst to the majority of the Mandalorians. Yeah. Uh, nobody knew where it was um, at this time. And then Sabine comes in and is like, yo, I have it. But I don't really want it because at this point, the Darksaber kind of like ended up becoming this this icon of leadership 
right? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like King Arthur's sword or whatever. It's just, like, whoever wields this is, like, the leader of Mandalore. Well, and it's connected to, like, good times, essentially. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it's like a it's like a beer bottle opener. <laughs> Whoever wields the dark saber, just full good vibes, yeah. full full good vibes, yeah. good vibrations by the Beach Boys is playing in the background. Oh yeah, no, so it's kind of connected to a a part of history of Mandalore where they had really strong leadership. Right. I don't know if that equated to good leadership. Yeah, but strong leadership. We get a bit of a history rundown in Rebels. But it was kind of an era of prosperity mm-hmm. on Mandalore and order and prob- war. War. <laughs> but that, I mean, that's what they want, right? Yeah, that's their culture. Yeah. So she's kind of intimidated by this. Yeah. And doesn't necessarily feel like it's her role or position. And so she passes it on to Bo Katan. Yes. Which, if you remember from back from the beginning, Satine. Cries, yes, who was the Duchess, the the pacifist Duchess, Potent, potential love interest of Obi Wan Kenobi, yeah. Uh, Bo Katan was her sister, so now Sabine has has given it back to kind of like almost the rightful heir, um, because I guess like Satine would have been like the last rightfully appointed leader yeah. of Mandalore. Um, she was killed by Darth Maul. Um, with the dark saber, actually. Wow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but let's say I'm not, because that would be epic. That would be epic. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So it's given to Bo-Katan, um, and that's the last we know of it yeah. until the final episode of Mandalorian season one. Um, so sometime during the purge, we don't know if Bo-Katan is alive. If she was killed, um, I would assume that she wouldn't give up the dark saber dark saber without a fight no um but moff gideon has it or we could all be wrong and this is just a second one a copy maybe this isn't Man, the dark that, saber that would be a real bummer. how how disappointing would that be like until scale season, of disappointment season three all right here's my rumor okay. bo-katan shows up season three with the real dark saber dark saber fight <laughs> boom boom all right end of the episode let's yeah yeah, yeah. let's just end there that's gonna happen yeah tune in next week for three hours talking about the dark saber on dark saber fight <laughs> i'm actually gonna act it out yeah we're gonna role play yeah 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 larp larp the first video <laughs> podcast yeah no i i'm really interested to see how big of a role it plays in season two. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we see it in the trailer at all. Nope. Do we see Gideon in the trailer at all? Yes. I think I so. might be getting it mixed up with yeah. they 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 gave out a couple still images. Yeah. And I know he's in that for sure. Okay. So if he's not if he's not in the in the trailer, he's at least in the still images. So I mean Moff Gideon is is in the next one, but the Darksaber hasn't shown up yet. But I mean, I would assume it does. If not, I'd probably be a little sad. But well, is there kind of anything else you want to touch on? You want to touch on? We've got all the history. We've got yeah. all the context for anyone who's missing on the. Where did this black fighty sword come from? Yeah, the Vorpal sword. What? How did that guy get that? 
Uh, and if there's none of you who are wondering that, then that's great. And this was a waste of our time. But uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, we'll keep it a little bit, a little bit of a shorter episode as we're as we're down, down a person, down a person. And Andrew likes to talk a lot. Oh and yeah. He knows the most. Yeah. Out of, like, he knows I think more than you and I combined probably. Yeah. And he he tweets about it a lot. Oh, he's the full tweet man. Yeah. So he's our source of like all Star Wars news. Everything going on in yeah Star Wars universe, yeah. all the knowledge. I just show up. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Cool. Well, if you enjoyed this uh, episode, uh, give us a follow, give us a like, whatever you want to do. Leave us a review. That makes us feel nice. Um, send it to a friend. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, we're a pretty small podcast, and if we stay as a small podcast, totally fine with that. But uh, if you we never get know. big, totally fine with that too. <laughs> Like well, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be mad. That's true. Well, let's uh, keep our sites small. Sites small. Anyways, uh, thanks for joining us. We will be back in another two weeks, um, discussing some more Star Wars stuff. Uh, if you're wondering, we are probably not going to be officially covering Mandalorian season two. Uh, that's not really our jam. There are a ton of great Star Wars podcasts out there um, or videos, YouTube channels that will will kind of like break down episode by episode. Um, we're hoping to kind of like tackle it at the end of the series. But uh, if you want to chat with us, get our thoughts, feel free to message us on social media. Um, yeah. Tell us what you want to hear for an episode. Absolutely. And yeah. Give us some yeah. ideas. I mean, we've got lots of ideas. Uh, yeah. But we'd love to kind we of. Had, we had one recommendation of the top uh, ten bounty hunters yeah, in the rank, Star Wars universe. Rank all the bounty hunters. I rank think it was all the bounty hunters. So we probably won't do that. But How we many might. of them would be Mandalorians? Yeah, uh, three at least. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Talk to you later. Ciao.